it's in my turn too. Guess not. Okay. Uh, thank you, Ralph, for that wonderfully disdainful and rather corny introduction that will uh, probably be cut down or out in the future. Uh, welcome to the first episode of the Undressing Underground podcast, a weekly audio thing for the internet in which uh, I hope to personally or have others talk to different people that are sort of on the fringe of the underground, people that are creating for the sole purpose of creating and not necessarily making any money off what they're doing, any significant money at least, uh, or even potentially have an audience uh, I hope to talk to musicians, filmmakers, board game makers, writers, whoever else is out there just doing shit. Uh, so let's see. Let's just cut through my bullshit because I'll be rambling enough later when I talk to Laura Conifer, a 30-something-year-old lesbian woman that I drove down to Columbus, Indiana to talk to about her noise projects, uh, Ghosts of Dead Tables and Anthropomorphic Lesbianism, as well as her fan fiction, uh, which is about an obscure 80s cartoon that I'm fairly positive no one else knows exists. Uh... So yeah, uh, I guess I can say real quick that I met Lara through her annual noise festival, Indiana Noise Festival, which I was one of maybe five paying customers or attendees. Two of the others were part of my crew and the other people were working there performing. So basically it's just everybody, it's for everybody she pays to come down to perform and then stand around and watch each other perform yeah who fucking cares uh let's go on to laura conifer i'll just hit record this can hold two hours still so (laughs) i Um, think we'll be fine (laughs) yeah no actually yesterday i didn't check the whoa that's um i didn't check the card uh, before we started talking, and I think we were talking for like maybe ninety minutes, and I I realized it stopped recording. I went in, it stopped like twenty minutes in. <laughs> we rec- we recorded like another <coughs> forty minutes. Right. And I'm gonna edit this down, obviously. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna put ninety minutes online for. Oh well, no. Nobody, anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> I really, I don't know. I mean, I know like one person that'll listen to these, but that's probably. Well, you know, I kind of look at it as the same way with just. Just my own noise stuff and shit, cause it's like, yeah, fuck it. I just, it's just, I do it for me. It's something to do. If other people like it, that's fine. If they have no interest in it at all, or they think that I suck, that's <laughs> fine too. You know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, fuck it, man. But how do you feel when you put on like when you actually perform and it's just the like, bands? Yeah, <laughs> basically, <laughs> fuck it. Because honestly, that's happened to so many fucking bands throughout history. I mean, shit. I remember reading the liner notes to uh, Anal Cunt's, uh, what was that called? I think it was called Fast Boston Hardcore Volume 1. It was the seven inches from 88 to 90. And the liner notes of that, they talked about, or Seth did, he wrote it. And he talked about the, um, shit, what was it? The intro to the 88 song EP. Mm -hmm. And it's this guy, he went under the pseudonym of Johnny Banana. (laughs) <laughs> it was like some old fucking mobster dude and shit pulled a shotgun on the circle jerks and all that. <laughs> yeah. And but he introduces the band and and all that and Seth talks about the show. He says other than the bands there was probably, you know, five people in the audience. So it's like, you know, it's just the way it is. I mean, sometimes if you go to a major market, yeah, you might get a good amount of people. Right. But, you know, but especially these days because a lot of people 
are just fucking lazy. They just want to sit at home and just watch shit on the internet. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I remember that one chick at the Crump talking about that. And at first, I kind of thought she was full of shit. But then once I started talking to people, you know, like in bands and stuff when I was booking the shows, and especially Radiation Sickness, actually. Really? Because their drummer mentioned that one time. He was like... You know, what's the point of even putting on shows? People just want to sit home and jerk off the JCPenney catalogs. <laughs> I was like... But, I mean, it's true, though. I mean, fuck. People just... They act like, you know, if it's not five miles from their fucking house, they don't want to go. But for you, performing is just enough? Oh, fuck yeah. It's fine. I mean, like, for instance, like, you know, the videos from... That's been put up online and stuff that's been linked. A couple things like the anthropomorphic lesbianism set that got linked on a couple sites. Oh, it did. Amish robots. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we we put Steve put them up actually. Okay, so it's you guys linking sites. It's not like somebody else came and found it or anything. Fuck no. Okay. <laughs> Hell no. Nobody looking for shit. <laughs> they don't care. I mean, there's a handful of people, like maybe five or ten people yeah. worldwide. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's just the way it is. And it was funny because some of the troll assholes on there were like, well, where's the fucking audience? I said, there wasn't one. I said, we played for, you know, probably 15 people and the bands, you know, fuck it, man. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if it was 15 people or if it was 1,500 people. To me, a fucking show is a show. So, I mean, you know, it was, I'm, I don't know. What the fuck was I going to say? Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I've been sick for the last three days, or oh, really? two days, yeah. I ended up catching something. I think it was food poisoning, actually. Oh, shit. I, I ate some fucked up raisins that I bought at the fucking Dollar Tree. <laughs> and they tasted really strange. Yeah. And about four hours later, I started to get the fucking chills. Oh, and man. then I was hot as fuck and sweating like crazy. And then I felt nauseous. I didn't vomit or anything, but then other things started to happen that I won't go into because they're too gross. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. I think it was those raisins, because they did taste strange. See, that was another thing, too. Since I was so fucked up from lack of sleep, I completely had no sense of time. <laughs> like, when I was doing my set, yeah. I didn't realize I had basically played my entire set in seven fucking minutes. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think you went long, but... <clears throat> well, I had, I had an idea for two tracks, and like I said, it just... I, everything was I was all fucked up it felt like being stoned with an alcohol buzz it was really <laughs> weird but the alcohol buzz was probably from low blood sugar because I barely ate anything all fucking day I think I ate a sandwich at like two o'clock and I think that was it jeez so the voice recorder why exactly because this is like a personal voice recorder it's not meant for anything especially as loud as what you're doing or to get that kind of dynamics like yeah why did you... How much did that thing cost even? Well, that one, it had a few extra features, so it was about 70. 70? Yeah. like investing in like just a couple hundred dollars in a better recorder though no because actually i had thought about that a long 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 time ago um back in about uh, i want to say about 2003 or 4 um because i had made the mistake of because there a couple years before that i had this whole huge fucking setup in my bedroom with a cassette four track and uh, outboard monitors and outboard mixer, all these you had some compressors, some noise suppression units for when I mixed it down to tape to tape, and I had the dual cassette deck for that, and yeah. I had all this shit. I made the mistake of replacing my Behringer or my PV six channel mixer with a Behringer sixteen channel, and this Behringer sounded like garbage. <laughs> it was so bad. I was so pissed off because I was like. And it just killed my enthusiasm because I was like, I'm screwed. Because hmm. it's like, I don't want to spend money on buying another fucking mixer. And I just said, fuck it. I'm done. And plus, a couple years after that, I ended up throwing a lot of those tapes away. Actually, I threw all of them away. What am I talking about? 
because it got to the point where it was like the recording sessions that were bad were really fucking bad Mm -hmm. because I was drunk and I was high all the time and I didn't really know how to operate the ship properly in the first place. (laughs) So if I got a good, you know, recording session as far as quality, half the time it was just fucking luck. About 70% of the time it was garbage. You know, overloaded inputs and shit like that and... I mean that can work. Like, Bad mixing, yeah. But when you're doing, when you're doing, you know, death metal, it's, it. So I wasn't just doing noise. Oh, okay. So do you like the sounds you get from like that tiny little recorder? Oh hell yeah. Would you? Do you prefer that? Like to say, if you were recorded on mine, it would sound like clear and. No, actually, I would love to have something like this, but it's just right now, I don't have the money for something like that, and. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot of reviews of them, and they seem to be pretty intuitive. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah, it's easy. You just hit record, and yeah. the little knobs and stuff. Yeah. But I, just, I don't know. I couldn't tell, like, if you actually enjoyed the lo-fi sound you got out of that or Well, not. I mean, I can get, you know, some pretty fucking good sounds out of it, because I pretty much know what to do. The only thing that it's that's really tricky yeah. is trying to get a good, clean sound when I'm using the keyboard. When I'm recording it clean, okay. like when I recorded the anthropomorphic lesbianism set with that, um, I should have moved it further. Actually, I probably should have just set it on top of the fucking little Fender amp that I was using as a vocal monitor because I noticed that the I was getting some distortion off of the keyboard. But I mean, that's the thing. It's just I, I mean, but I have recorded some tracks with a keyboard that are nice and clean. But I have to do really strange shit. Yeah. Like I'll have the amp like in the far corner of my bedroom and back in my bedroom I had right. this fucking utility shelf and I would set it on like this like far left or right corner of the utility shelf and I would have it pointing like over towards the wall or like facing the closet some really strange direction that you think wouldn't work yeah but it actually worked great <laughs> so do you want to tell me a little bit about Steve's pedals <laughs> Steve's pedals are fucking weird and I mean that in the best sense because he just he comes up with the coolest shit. But I mean, honestly though, a lot of people they're just spoiled by all the fucking mass-produced junk because, well, it's not junk because I mean, fuck, I, just everything else I have is mass-produced. But I mean, <laughs> but this analog stuff that he uses, I mean, it all it is all purely analog. I mean, there's nothing in here that's fucking digital because it's like I can't afford to buy those kind of components. Right. You know. But I mean, his stuff, his shit makes some of the craziest fucking sounds, and it's really unpredictable too. Because, and that's why I like it. Because sometimes it'll just do the strangest shit, and I just look at him like, "Wow, haven't heard <laughs> make that sound before." <laughs> but I think that's why he has problems selling it to certain people because they just don't, they don't get it. Because sometimes he'd say he'd sell it to guitar players and stuff. And they'd write him back, and they're like, is this fucking thing broken? How come this damn thing won't shut up? So what do you feed into these, usually? Uh, usually uh, contact mics. Um, and what do you do with them? Mm, just fuck around, shake them and shit. They usually have, like, the one that I used at Donner's, you know, the one, the Gelong Gang one, it's got just a bunch of just a bunch of junk that I grabbed out of my junk drawer, like screws and bolts and washers and shit, and just threw it in there. It was funny, because... I, the first time I did that, yeah. I plugged everything up. I shook it like this, and about two seconds later, the little door opened up, and all that shit <laughs> flew out all over the floor. So I turned off the recorder, and I'm like crawling around for like 15 minutes, picking all this shit up, you know, because I didn't want to step on it, and I didn't want to suck it up with my vacuum cleaner. What made you think to start doing that? Like, did you, if you all, when making noise, have you always just done that um just like shaking stuff to to make the noise or um actually not when i not exact not right when i started uh because at first i was just um doing guitar based noise because i had a guitar yeah that one junky one i talked about in the old interview at mill race okay and um yeah that junky guitar and then i had the the plastic fucking mic that i got from pickets and the you know, that was all I had as far as actual sound sources, other than, you know, doing feedback loops with my pedal, my distortion box into my amp, which yeah. was slowly killing it, but I didn't know that. <laughs> so. So you were just like, 
would you like play anything on the guitar or were you just like well when it came to noise yeah i would just tune his strings down to where they were just about to fall off because <laughs> it helped it feed back and everything and helped the tones change up a bit depending on what you were doing and you know just stuff like that and you know and it had one it had a this stupid wannabe floyd rose tremolo on it it wasn't a real floyd rose though i don't know why the fuck my mom bought this piece of junk for me but it was a piece of shit <laughs> but so when you were doing that were you primarily on the guitar or were you messing around with the pedals um actually it was probably more a combination of feedback loops with the pedal and the amp and uh the mic into the distortion into the amp i didn't do as much guitar noise at that point okay i didn't start to do more guitar noise until i got um it was right before I moved here, actually, because I had this huge fucking PV bass amp because I was switching off between playing bass. I didn't use the bass in noise, though. I just did that strictly for death metal. <laughs> that was always funny. Not to, I'll try not to veer too much, but I have to say it because it's really hilarious looking back on it. Because, you know, I was influenced by stuff like, you know, Napalm Death from Enslavement to Obliteration album, shit like that. When I went, well, actually, that album in general inspired me to play bass and guitar. And the only reason I even got a bass was because there was a couple guys that I knew. and But they were into, like, Latter-day Metallica, Latter-day Megadeth and shit. I mean, they were, like, some of the earlier stuff. But when it came to, like, Napalm Death and Carcass and Terrorizer, they didn't understand it at all. <laughs> they are like, I don't get this. What the fuck? But, you know, there was still a mutual appreciation, you know. It was just like, you know, hey, this is what you like. This, but we still had some common ground, you know. I could still, We'd still listen to Megadeth, Metallica, Pink Floyd. But we could never find a bass player. Yeah. And I just said, fuck it, man. I'll just have my parents buy me a bass, and we'll just do that. And they did. And I got a Fender Precision Christmas of 90... I think it was 92. 92 or 93. So this was like high school? Yeah. Okay. Might have been 92. And um, it was funny because, yeah, it was 92. Because I would play it, you know, through my... At first I was playing it through my fucking guitar amp because I didn't have a bass amp yet. Yeah. And then eventually I got one, and it was a huge fucking PV 150-watt fucking amp. I mean, you, I could only play it on, like, one and a half, and I would li I would literally rattle shit off of the walls <laughs> in the bathroom that was on the other side of the wall of my bedroom. And plus, I played, you know, I ran my death metal through it, so it's all... <laughs> And my dad would always say, God damn it. So you were in a band for a while? We tried to do one. Oh, yeah? You guys didn't play anywhere or anything? Hell, we barely even got off the ground. <laughs> that's the thing around that. That's why I, that's why I bought a four-track eventually in 97, because my mom had some money. Yeah. And she gave me a grand. And I bought um, the four-track, and I bought my first drum machine. It was one of those earlier Boss drum machines. This is when you started California Sleep? Oh, God, no, 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 no. Oh, jeez. This was way back in November 97. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, that's a long time ago. I did the four-track stuff from November 97. Um, actually, that's kind of funny I think about it. November 97 to November of 2002. <laughs> I didn't realize it was, well, Yeah. that's kind of funny. Because, um, but yeah, it was always funny because I'd be back here, you know, jamming to like, death metal tapes and shit and I was playing bass jammed to like Benediction and stuff like that and my dad would pop in once in a while and he's like what the fuck are you doing and I'd click the bass off you know click the pedal off turn the stereo down I'm like what are you talking about he's like what the hell is that shit it just sounds like noise why don't you make it thump you know bump 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 like bump bump you know like syncing up with bass drum and um and I just laughed at him, and I said, well, the bass players that I listen to, they don't fucking play like that. And he's like, well, that's just noise. And I'm like, get out of here. Is that when you started getting into noise? No, um, no, that's, what, that's why I became aware of it, though. Okay. For, like, uh, Brill Truth and I Hate God when they was name-dropping the bands in Metal Maniacs. So oh. I was aware of it, but it took a little while. Yeah. I should have started writing to them about five years earlier. I could have gotten to a lot of shit quicker. You're writing to the magazine? No, Relapse Records. Oh, you're what were you writing to them? I was, or ordering from them. Oh, I mean okay. To say. I think like sorry. fan letters or something. No, I used to write in a couple of times, but um, no, as far as ordering. Actually, the only time I ever ordered anything from a band out of there, because they had a demo column too, mm -hmm. 
Well, that's how, well, actually, I take that back. That's how I started getting into tape trading, though, and buying bootleg videos off of people. Yeah. Because they had a column, or not a column, they had a section in the back called shorts, and you could send in basically little ads. You didn't have to pay or nothing. And people would send in stuff, and that's how I got, that's how I got hooked up with Chris Wood of Hate War Productions out of California. That's how I got hooked up with Pat from Hell Witch. God damn. There for a while, man, for, from... April to November of 97, man. I was getting tapes all the fucking time. I remember one weekend, I got like six fucking packages. I remember standing in the fucking um, dining room, and my parents weren't there. I think my dad went on trash run, and my mom might have been at work. I saw the mail person drive, because I'd been waiting on this shit to show up, but I was wondering you know, when stuff was going to pop up and I walked back into the dining room but you could still see out the picture window and I see her putting all these packages into the mailbox and I'm like oh <laughs> shit <laughs> like fucking Christmas man <laughs> so how did that work exactly you were just like reading people's lists in the ba- or writing people from the back of the magazine mm-hmm. writing to people and Chris and Pat were the only ones that I actually bought stuff off of all the other no no no, no. wait take that back there's another guy too Steve Rarick up in Michigan. Pat knew him too, actually. I talked to, there was one time I was talking to Pat on the phone mm-hmm. and I mentioned Steve and he was like, yeah, I remember him. I'm like, oh shit, cool. <laughs> because I mean, he'd filmed, because Pat had some shows that he had filmed, like um, some shows from the 97 Milwaukee Metal Fest. Um, that time, uh, Multiplex and uh, Hell Child, there were a couple of Japanese death metal hardcore bands. They came through and played in Detroit at the, uh, where was it? The Trumbull Theater. Hmm. And so he knew who he was. Yeah. So when you were trading tapes, did you ever send any of your own stuff out to people? Yeah, it was real rare. Yeah. But um, there was a dude in St. Louis. And because uh, I actually, I, I'd mentioned that in the interview. I remember. Cool. I do, again. <laughs> That's cool. And also, I wanted to say this too, because I don't know how the fuck. I always thought it was so weird because it was like, Okay, I remember this fucker from St. Louis. His name I can't remember, though, but I remember the guy in St. Louis, and then I said there was another guy from somewhere else. It was this dude named Clay from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, because uh, there was one night, we were, uh, a bunch of us were going to go out to Kings Island, and I got up real early, and um, I just knew that I wasn't going to go back to sleep. Yeah. And I got up, and I leafed through the issues and stuff and was playing tapes, and... Uh, of course, real low volume, of course, since it was that early in the morning. And I wrote like six or seven letters, put them in the mailbox. They're like, what's all these letters for? And I just told my mom I'm writing to you know, people for tape trading. And she's, she got paranoid and be like, well, oh, no, you're doing stuff writing to people like that. People you don't know. They could be freaks. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, it was cool, though. It was really neat because, you know, I wrote to all these people and got so many tapes and god damn it was cool I mean sure I've lost contact with virtually all of them yeah except for Pat and every once great once in a while I order something from Chris but as far as the noise stuff though yeah the St. Louis guy I'd sent him a tape but see back then though this was before the four track shit all back then all I was doing was recording stuff uh I had a cheap Sure Prolog microphone plugged into my Technique stereo because it had an auxiliary jack. So you mean like that kind of stereo? Like No, it was a proper receiver. Oh, okay. So like the vinyl kind of stereo sort mm-hmm. of thing. So boy, how were you recording it then? You were just like on the tapes? Yeah, on cassette tape. I just had, because there was, I had a dual cassette deck, you know, because there was a receiver, the dual cassette deck, yeah. you know, speaker, just your basic component stereo. And this is just like guitar noise at this point? <clears throat> mm no, um, like I said, it was some of it was guitar noise, a lot of it was vocals into okay. the guitar. Oh, and that's what I also was doing the her- distorted harmonica stuff too. But that came slightly later. Yeah. Because that wasn't until I heard the Journey into Pain compilation, and that wasn't until uh, sometime in the fall of '96. I don't remember exactly when. I think it's actually one of your more more unique uh, performances is at least that one song about Portia making bank that. That harmonica lick just sticks in my head all the time. You know what's crazy about that one? Fucking all that is is um I think all I used on that was a death my D, my Digitech death metal pedal yeah and my Line Six DL4 on the loop sampler function yeah yeah and it just it came together so well. Uh... 
don't know how to approach it. It's just such an odd concept. <laughs> like, I've never... Before I, t- like, before I talked to you, I never really heard... I've, obviously, I knew about fan fiction, but I've never heard of anything quite like what you're doing with... Um, like, f- first, can you explain what the Get Along Gang is? Like, Well, actually, the Get Along Gang started as a line of greeting cards. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. That right there is the first image of Porsche Porcupine ever. Okay. It was a card in 1983. And then it became a cartoon in 84. There was a pilot episode on Nickelodeon, but there was an entirely different company that did that. I think mm-hmm. they're called um, Helvania. Um, which I didn't know that because, you know, goddamn, when I saw it, I didn't pay any attention to any of that stuff. It was just the concept of the show. It didn't right. just stuck in my head. You were still a kid. Yeah, but I still, but I remembered it though, because it yeah. was like a year later, until from what I remember, from when I saw the CBS promo. Because when they did did it on CBS, they had gave the rights to an entirely different animation company. Okay. It's it's spelled D I C, but I think it's pronounced Deek. It's really weird. Um, but no, when when that went to that um, as a Saturday Saturday morning show, I was just like, I was tripping. <laughs> because not literally, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I never did hallucinogenics. <laughs> well, especially as a seven-year-old or whatever. Right. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. It's okay. I'm I know, blew but... it out last time. <laughs> Do what? I actually blew out the most recently. So. <laughs> but it was funny because I remember exactly when it was. It was like September sixteenth or something. Mm-hmm. But it was like the weekend before that because we were over at my grandmother's house which, well, on my dad's side. And we'd go over there and hang out sometimes on weekends. And <clears throat> it was me and, you know, my dad, my mom, my grandmother, her sister. Yeah. And they, they were sitting around watching, like, Murder, She Wrote or some shit like that because it was on CBS. Mm-hmm. And then they showed a promo for the Get Along Gang, and I fucking flipped out. <laughs> I was, like, freaking out. And they're like, what the hell's what what are you flipping out about? I'm like, oh my god, they're making the Gettle Gang into a show. So you Wow You already you're already obsessed with the greeting cards? No, actually I knew I knew nothing of that. I didn't know about that until I, I um rediscovered it and So wait, why were you so Because I'd seen the Nickelodeon show. See oh. that was the that was actually the pilot. Oh it aired on TV. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, they showed it on an entirely different network, and like I said, it was done by an entirely different company, but the idea of it and all that just had it fucking was cemented in my damn brain. Do you know why? Not really. It's just I one mean, of those things. It was just <laughs> one of the things that just clicked. Huh. And it was just... And, and so once I saw it again, like once I revisited it after <laughs> rediscovering it purely by accident, thanks to a dorky internet troll... <laughs> like, what was the deal with that? <laughs> Some dong on Noise Guide was these. Oh God, these these fucking losers. They always post all this sarcastic bullshit and just. Few of them are actually fucking obsessed with me, which is really strange because they're like they always make these threads on this other forum. Yeah. I'm not gonna mention it because who cares? Okay. But they're always like wanting. They think they're riling me up with okay. their troll shit. But I'm just—I sit back and I just laugh my ass off at how stupid they all are, because that's why I wrote the song "Virtual Fucking Losers." Oh, that's what that's about. Yes, that's okay. why it's called "Virtual." Both fans are fucking gay. Virtual fucking losers. Because everybody, because it's just that whole phenomenon of just people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a good side and a bad side to everything. Because like noise guide, the noise guide forum. If it wasn't for that, I would have come across so many awesome people. I mean, people that built shit and just people that like Billy, you know, from yeah. Galactic Intolerance Records, you know, people like that. Steve, you know, some really fucking great people. But it's just the internet just it gives everybody license to just in theory. To be a total fucking asshole if they want to be. Yeah. And they can hide behind their screen names and their bullshit. 
And, you know, and also the thing that annoys me is the people that say, oh, I'm just joking. It's like, fuck you, man. I don't care what you fucking say about if you're joking or not, you know? Right. Well, I mean, that's just their defense. They know they're trying to piss you off. Yeah. Well, it's, but see, that's the thing, though. They think they're like, they think I'm sitting here boiling mad, you know? My yeah. fucking blood pressure's through the roof. But I'm just sitting here laughing my ass off and shaking my head and just thinking, God, you know, half the time it's just like, oh, fuck you, <laughs> fucking loser. <laughs> All right. So how did this have to do with the get along gang again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. Shit. <laughs> That's a good question, but it just it's just funny. Well, cause see there was this one fucker in particular on Noise Guide. Mm-hmm. Of course, all this has migrated to this one other forum. Okay. Which is kind of stupid. I kind of feel bad for some... I mean, I'll get to that point in just a second, but I just wanted to throw this in. I feel bad for some people because when you look up noise forums, yeah. noiseguide.com like, pops up at the top because mm-hmm. it's like been around a really long time, apparently. Yeah. And, you know, I'll see people that'll post on there and they're like, hey, you know, I just got into noise and I'm into blah, 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 da, 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 da. And every once in a while, you might see a couple... Of the cooler people, because most people fucking tend to stay away from it. What do you mean? They just, they've just, they've left it. Oh, really? Yeah. And okay. they're just like, fuck it, man. You know, we don't fucking want to deal with this bullshit. And I don't blame them. What, the assholes or the people looking? The cool, just... the cool people. The assholes, the assholes will pop in and they'll make some dumbass sarcastic remark to some of the newer people and stuff. And I just, half the time, I mean, every once in a while I might pop in if somebody is new, it's joined up and they have a question, I might answer it yeah <clears throat> but most of the time i just avoid it but anyway when all this shit was going on the aforementioned dork <laughs> i want to say it but i'm not going to he's not worth it okay and he had wrote a thread and he was he, he was acting like you know kind of a let's kiss and make up you know yeah kind of, kind of thing it was gay and sarcastic but <laughs> He had posted a uh, video of the opening to the Get Along Gang. I had not given the Get Along Gang a single thought since 1990. What year was this? I'm pretty sure it was 2013. uh, But it was funny because as soon as I saw it, it was like something just clicked in my head. And I'm just like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, holy shit. So we had the opposite effect on you. Yeah. It was really funny because after that, that's when I started posting all these screenshots of the Get Along Gang and shit yeah. and started getting on their nerves and I just, I just thought it was funny as hell because I said, hey, fuck you, man. It's your fault. Yeah. And then that's when that one guy, <clears throat> that one noise guy, I don't remember his name, from Florida. I don't remember being from Florida, but I remember anything else about him. <laughs> he suggested, you know, writing the fanfics. Yeah. He's like, how about the Get Along Gang in the high school years? And I responded back and I said, well... I haven't really tried anything like that in a really, really long time, but, you know, what the hell, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And it was really easy writing the first story, and then everything else just fucking took off. And within, like, nine weeks, fuck, I had written probably six or seven stories. (laughs) Yeah. How long are the stories? Some can be fairly short. Some can be long as fuck. Like, that one segment that, uh, what's her name? Jill. Jill. I can't remember. It's fine. Either one of their names. It's okay. <laughs> uh, that one, the old switcheroo, it was funny when you talked about having to cut it down because I'm thinking, well, really, I probably should just try and find him something else because that, like, <laughs> that was like a two-part story. Some of these can be really fucking long. Yeah. I mean, I got one that's essentially a five-parter. Yeah, what's this? that's the uh, one about Montgomery Moose? Mm, no, that's the tragedy. That's a three-parter. Okay. The five-parter one... Actually, it's two separate stories, but it's more or less a five-parter. The the first one in three parts is called The Gig, Mm -hmm. and the second is two parts. It's called The After Party. The Gig is, um, there was this one original character I'd come up with a long time back called, uh, what was her name? Brenda Beaver. She was was like this rich girl. She played... uh, bass and not bass she played guitar and sang with this is a character you made up oh yeah i think fucking tons of them okay tons oh and that was another thing i wanted to mention this real quick too because in the other interview when you said the thing about having them playing harsh metal and stuff yeah actually the only actual get along gang member 
that's even involved in that or even tolerates it <laughs> is Portia. I thought in the what's it called um the switcheroo that the old switcheroo. I thought that the one of them had like a bunch of metal shirts, and then the other one was that like, was Kathy. Yeah, and then the, she's an original character. Okay. Oh, so you only, are you saying you only invented one metal fan, or no? There's a few. Okay. Uh, Laura Squirrel, Kathy Cat, Erica Porcupine, uh, Brenda Beaver. Even though she doesn't play metal, mm-hmm. she's into it because I had created a character, an older brother character for her, and uh, and he was like this death metal noise fan and stuff, and he's like a pothead, <laughs> and um, because I had wrote this story called The Talent Show. And I, had to cr- and I had to come up with all these original fucking characters yeah. for all these different bands, and I had to think of different genres. No, no, no. Was it Talent Show or Battle of the Bands? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> Can't remember what- it's hard to fucking keep track, because I've yeah. wrote like 50 fucking stories, so, you know. But anyway, I, um, the band that she was in was a band called Ve- Vegas Road, and Vegas Road is a song by this Scottish duo Named Connor and Jay. Okay. And they fucking ruled. That, that band was amazing. They should be fucking million. They should have been fucking millionaires, man. What kind of band were they? It was really like poppy rock, light rock sort of stuff. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. And actually, the ironic thing about them is they're mostly famed for um, having their songs featured in like the older versions of Grand Theft Auto. Okay. Like uh, GTA 3 uh, and uh, the first one. So, I guess back on the Get Along Gang. Yeah. What, uh... So you, like, sort of incorporate yourself into all these characters? like you're... Well, I came up with a character that was based on myself. But I do that with, with a lot of them. I mean, yeah. you know, like I said before in that other interview, talking about Kathy, you know. You know, Kathy was based pretty much on myself as far as being a really strict metalhead in the sense that all she fucking had... Was metal shirts, right? Because <laughs> like, though right now you're wearing a dotty dog shirt. <laughs> oh, I don't wear metal shirts anymore. I well, I mean, I have that radiation sickness shirt that my mom bought for me. Well, actually, she got two for me. Oh, yeah. But there was one that I donated to Goodwill because it had some lyrics on the back and it was really retarded. Because <laughs> okay. I said to Steve, I said, "You want this?" He's like, "What are you getting rid of it for?" I said, "Because it's got these lyrics on the back and it's fucking dumb. I, I'm not gonna wear that." Yeah. And he looked at and he rolled his eyes and said, I wouldn't wear that either. Um, but so these, this, like obviously I, I think I already mentioned to you, like the Rugrats did their all grown up thing where they're in high school and stuff. But like, yeah, actually I think I remember seeing yeah. some, something about that because I mean, I think my little brother was watching stuff like that. So I mean, I kind of have a vague idea. But so, like, shows that normally do that, like, when they have them grown up, mm-hmm. or, like, in high school or whatever, like, it's not totally outlandish to have them into metal or something sort of extreme, but you've actually made them into lesbians and won them into a trans person, uh, trans woman. Well, the trans chick is another char- another original character. Okay. I mean, the only thing with... Honestly, the only fucking... I had no intention of doing any of this. See, all this stuff just happened completely organically. That's what was so great about this. Because I had no fucking preconceived idea about anything, really. It was just kind of... I just went with it, and I was like, I just let the story go where it wants to fucking go. And actually, well, you remember that one image, the one of Dottie and Portia and... You know, with the skates and her knee, Porsche's knees all fucked up. and Yeah, but still as children, but oddly sexual looking. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when those dudes were saying that shit on Noise Guide. And they were saying some shit about, you know, what was it? Porsche having to repay Dottie with weird kinky cartoon sex or something. But this fucking idea started going in my head, man. And I, just, I had an outline for the story in like literally 10 minutes. Yeah. But I was dying laughing because I was like, oh my God, this is so wrong. I cannot write that. That is fucked. That's just, that's just wrong, man. <laughs> but that story kept going in my head for like two fucking days. And so I said, fuck it. I'm going to do it. And that first draft that I wrote was so fucking... God, if you had, it would have been like triple X. I mean, it was really <laughs> dirty. I, me- I remember after I finished it and I read it and I just kind of shook my head and I thought, I can't believe this came out of my brain. Do you do that a lot with them though? 
write sex scenes? No. It's no. probably about, I don't know, maybe 20, 25% at the most. Tw- 25%? Okay, maybe that's an over yeah, exaggeration. That's kind of a lot. Well, I suck at math. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That'd be a quarter of it. <laughs> well, a quarter out of 50 stories. Yeah, that would be. Oh, have sex scenes. Not our sex-based. Oh, okay. That's what you meant. Yeah. Um, that one was the only one. That was the second story. Okay. Yeah. So you're not. You don't have a quarter of them aren't don't revolve around sex. Oh God, no. Okay. But some. What I meant to say is that maybe a quarter of them have had sexual content here and there. Right. Well, maybe even not that. Okay. Because it it only you know. Like I'd said before in the other interview, it has to have a purpose. It has to have a place. Yeah. I don't throw things in gratuitously because, for one, I wouldn't even know how to go about just inserting something in at random. I mean, I really fucking plan this. Well, I don't plan it, plan it. But, I mean, I'm you know just kind of thinking, it's like, well, does this really fit the narrative that's going on now? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just plopping something in. Because it's like, cause like, for instance, there's an original series that I had started... And I had three stories done. There's a fourth story that I was working on, and it was fucked up because I got to this one point in the story. It's about a little over halfway, and I know, and I know exactly how the fucker's supposed to end, mm-hmm. but I have no goddamn idea to this to this fucking day. And it's been like 14 months to get from where it is now to the end. Hmm. So I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do because it's an, it's an entirely different sort of thing because they're, right. they're younger kids. There's no drug use amongst the kids, although I did have one thing pop up with the parents because they're uh, single moms and they live in the same neighborhood. So while the kids are out, she calls the one woman up and she's like, hey, come over and get high. And so they get stoned. So there are heterosexual people in this too, in your stories? For the most part, actually, yes. For the most part? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's only, you know, two lesbians and one trans chick. Okay. Is she so. straight? The trans chick? Yeah. Yeah, actually she is. Okay, so she likes men. Yeah. Okay. She's dating Bingo Beaver. Okay. Do you publish these anywhere? No, I don't because I don't want to run any trouble with American Greetings. Is that the only reason why? Yes. Okay. Because like, I remember one time uh, I had joined up on this uh, Yahoo group <laughs> that was centered around the Gillong gang. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually asked some of the people, this was before I knew of anybody on DeviantArt website that did commissions. Yeah. And I asked them if I could have somebody commission uh, doing a shot of Porsche. And she's like really stoned. And they said, no, we only do stuff that's age appropriate. And I started laughing and I <laughs> wrote them back and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, dude, it's just fucking drawings. And they're like, well, we don't want to get sued by American Greetings. It's so weird because they've done nothing. They, did they even officially release the property or do you have those bootleg videos? No, they actually released it, but they oh, released they it in the most nonsensical way. Because, okay, this is how it went. They were going to re-release the stuff in 2007 in like a three-disc DVD yeah. with a bunch of extra features. and It was going to be really fucking cool. And, uh, but they were going to do it. This one company was going to do it. And then American Greens, for some dumb fucking reason, said no. And then, I think it was in two... 2011 or 2012, I think it was 2011, they uh, had it released by this company, I can't remember, Cookie Jar, I think it was, I think they have another name too, might have been a subsidiary of them, but they released it in the most nonsensical way, because for one, the show only had 14 episodes, Mm -hmm. and they put 10 out on one disc, and then the other four, they put out as a bonus disc of this 10-disc box set called TV Tunes To Go. Luckily, it was cheap. Yeah. Because once I found that out, I'm like, fuck. You know, because I was thinking, man, I'm going to have to buy some goddamn box set that's probably going to cost me 50 fucking dollars or more just to get, you know, roughly a little over an hour's worth of footage off of a, it was probably a three, three and a half hour disc. Yeah. And, but luckily it was like, Right around twenty bucks with postage. I found it on eBay, new. So I was like, "Fucking awesome," you know. And then I gave the rest to um, one of my aunts. And uh, actually, you remember at the show there was that one little girl that was running around. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, 
I gave them to my aunt because she was always babysitting her. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, because she, you know, she was obviously over there at the time. And I said to the little girl, I said, "Well, I don't know if you're gonna, if you'll know about any of these, because these are, you know, these aren't. They're from the eighties. They're not current. Well, yeah. not some are, but some are a little bit later than that. Okay. But it was hilarious because she starts looking through them all, yeah. and she knew about like five or six of them. Oh, huh. And I said, "Really? I said, how'd you know about that?" She looks at me and was real sarcastic and goes, "Duh, Cartoon Network." <laughs> and she's like six. <laughs> She's hilarious, um, but I thought that was really funny. So, do you still watch the DVDs? Oh hell yeah! Like how often? There's only 14 episodes. How often can you realistically watch it? Honestly, yeah. When I first got it, um, when I just got the uh, 10 episode disc, I was watching it every day for probably three months. Really? Yeah. And you still watch? Like how often do you watch it now then? Oh, now mm, it's tapered off a little bit, but. Oh, um, <laughs> It's not as because I mean you know I'm obviously doing a lot of other things you know right. music and whatnot and watching other things and shit like that and plus you know when I got the Fraggle Rock DVDs and Tailspin shit like that yeah so I mean we're I mean people can't see this but we're surrounded by get along gang memorabilia right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> except for that dog there and Mr Bacon <laughs> with the Christmas hat yeah you don't want to perform anything do you. Could, just like three five minutes. Okay. All right. Cool.
Okay, so that ends really abruptly uh, because Laura decided to end it by having me just turn off my recorder. Uh, So that's it for this week. Come back next Tuesday to uh, hear my interview with Jufu. I forget what made-up last name she has. Uh, where we'll be talking more about writing and uh, go to the blog for more information on Laura. It's undressingunderground.tumblr.com. Uh, you can find links to her music and our documentary and I guess me on Twitter. I guess I'll do that. Uh, and send me an email from there. Tell me how awful this is, or tweet at me and just tell me I'm a dick. Or uh, if you have anybody you want to interview, feel free to send me those suggestions or just record it on your own and submit to me anyway. I don't care. Yeah, whatever. Bye.